Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. On today's episode, I wanted to give you a little taste of what it's like to be in our mentorship program. This episode is going to feature a interior design panel, which we had on uh, in July. So we've got three interior designers that are open. They're sharing their experiences, successes, and failures so that we can learn from them. I wanted to just share this with you all so you can get sort of a little inside glimpse of what happens within our membership group. If you have any questions, if you want to add any comments, please, please, please send me a DM on Instagram or an email, and I'd love to hear from you. Welcome to Bewitching the Home, a podcast that supports the journey of holistic interior designers. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford, a creatrix of Sacred Space. Here, we will discover new concepts, meet creatives, and learn from active interior designers and conscious businesses that guide us to create enchanted homes. Homes filled with mindfulness, intentional living, and well-being for their inhabitants and Mother Earth. Homes connected to the highest vibration that bring balance, harmony, and a purposeful way of living. I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to pull us a crystal card too. It's for fun. Right. Uh, just a nice, beautiful crystal for all of us today. See what we might need to know. Ooh, rutilated quartz. This is like one of my most favorite um, crystals. I don't know if you guys have seen rutilated quartz in person, but it's quartz and it's got these beautiful striations of like gold or silver. Um, and this is all about manifestation, protection, and strength. Just really, really beautiful. Um, it promotes growth, uh, cleanses energy in the aura, and facilitates calmness. And in times of transition, releases fears and helps with forgiveness. That's a beautiful crystal for us. I would love to um, introduce you all to our three panelists. We have Dee Morrison, we have Rachel Moriarty, Moriarty, and Suzanne. And Suzanne, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Royals. Royals. And um, I would love for you all, I'm going to pin all of you, to um, make an introduction. We have had, we've recorded two podcasts, one with Dee, one with Rachel, and we still need to do Suzanne's. So um, you get to know them a little bit more and a bit deeper about their backstory. But I do want them to introduce themselves. And we are going to, we'll start with Dee. And basically, I'll have you introduce your name, the name of your business, what types of projects you work on and how long you've been in business. Hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is Dee Morrison. I've been in business since 2004. The type of projects that I take on, I do staging, I do visual merchandising, I do residential design, commercial design, 
it just really depends. But I do a lot of commercial design. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Anything else that you wanted me to say? Um, um, oh, what's the name of your business? Oh, I have two businesses. So I have the one with Alicia Truesdale, which is Truesdale Morrison Design. We do staging and now we have our podcast. And I also have the design dossier where that's my business, where I do visual merchandising. I do declutter coaching and I do decluttering mostly with my clients that are residential. Oh, awesome. I didn't realize you did decluttering D. I might have to have you come on about that because I've had several people in the coven just questioning whether or not they should add that to their list of services. Might be kind of neat to have you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, because I'm, people think I'm a minimalist. I'm not a minimalist, but it's just, I don't like clutter. <laughs> but yeah, I help people manage their, you know, their situation when it comes to stuff. <laughs> and you're in New Jersey. I'm in New York. Oh, New York. God, I keep it's Alicia. Alicia is in New Jersey. Yeah. Is last month and she's from New Jersey and Dee is in New York. Yep. No <laughs> worries. Correcting me. Thank you. No problem. All right, Rachel, you're up. All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm Rachel, Rachel Moriarty Interiors. And also I have a second business called House of Moriarty Inc. Um, and I have been in the home industry, I'll call it, since 2005. Um, I've launched this iteration of uh, my business, which is Rachel Moriarty Interiors in 2014. And mostly I focus on residential um, some commercial, some multifamily, but the bulk of my business is residential. And then the other side of my business is um, also working with brands and personal uh, personal brands and businesses um, and doing influencer marketing. So I have multi kind of a multiple income stream business. And we're going to be working on some stuff there too for all of you guys with um, visibility and, and all of that. And Suzanne, so can you share with us, maybe your business, uh, what type of projects you work on and how long you've been in the business? Yes, I started out in construction. My name is Suzanne Broyles and I started out in construction. My father was in construction. So it was very natural for me to start in that path. And then I took my career into design when I moved to Mammoth Lakes and um, opened a showroom right away and started into the design of everyone's homes and doing construction and design. And then that took off like crazy. So then we moved to San Diego and I did um, construction design. I have a showroom there as well. And so we run projects, design, build projects like that. Sometimes I just do the design, interior design. So we do everything from concept to completion or people will hire me just to come in and support a job, which I love. I'll just come in and do interior design or I'll come in and be their contractor. And I love supporting other interior designers. And then uh, we just moved to Texas as well. So I just started another business here on top of my business in San Diego. I still do that one. So I travel back and forth every two weeks and I have a design build firm here and we are just moving here. That's where I'm at right now. I'm in my new, I'm in my new um, design build showroom that's uh, it was built in 1912. So we just redid an old historical home and still in the process. And then um, I've been in the business since 1995. Is there anything else I need to share? <laughs> no, and Suzanne has a showroom here in San Diego as well. Yeah. Right? 
yeah so we'll have to like we'll have to do a, a trip there and then the other thing too with Suzanne she's a general contractor so that kind of gives you another idea of like how you can navigate if you like kind of want to just take over and take control because dealing with contractors and stuff I feel like it's one of the hardest things so Suzanne's like <laughs> taking it by the reins so let's go in. So uh, I was doing a lot of, or several one-on-one consultations with the members of the coven. And um, I've noticed getting stuck sort of in the design process. We're curious, how do you, right now, how do you get your clients? And um, what did you first, what did you do when you first got started? So how is that different? And we can start with whoever wants to unmute themselves. Did you say start with how you get your clients? Yeah, like how are how are you currently getting your clients? Like, is it word of mouth? Is it um, from ads? Is it like how are you, how are people finding you? I'll go. So, social selling has always been um, for me how I've gotten my business. It started on Facebook, um, and then Instagram has just been a major player. There was like a nine month period in during quarantine that I got like 2 million in project revenue through DMs. I mean, it's just, it's been insane through Instagram. Um, I do sometimes do referral, but for me, Instagram's always been better. People follow me there. They get to know me. And by the time they pick up the phone to call me, we're just booking dates. Um, when I go through a referral, it's not always like, like my, the client that referred me is amazing, but they're, person they prefer isn't always like you know so I don't know it's for me I prefer it to go through social and, and then my website and then to me I just notice that that is the most successful experience okay. um so and then the de design process so I'm a smaller business I'm a mostly me business with a, a um virtual team so for me I've tried all different kinds of ways and one thing you have to realize is um, you don't have to do, especially once you get into like Facebook groups and stuff like that, you'll, you'll see how other people are doing things. And some people are very process oriented. Maybe they came through, uh, interior, like engineering and architecture and their, their brain thinks very sequentially. I don't think like that. I'm an intuitive, I'm an empath and I have ADHD. So I tried to do questionnaires and all this stuff and I would like lose interest reading them. So <laughs> I just really have to go with my gut when I go, when I go into homes now, I really kind of, um, into it, a lot of things. And basically I never talk about design styles. Um, the, the kind of people I magnetize are always coming to me for a bolder look. They want, you know, they want something. They always say out of the box. That's how I know it's my perfect client. Um, I use the terms colorfully coastal because I do beach homes, but I do a bolder version of a beach home. Um, and so they're coming to me for, for, for really kind of like these unique, uh, we do, you know, murals and, and kind of crazy stuff. So, um, so my design process kind of starts with meeting with them, 
um, getting to know them. Really, I go by like, what is the function and feel of the space? How do you want it to vibe? I, those kind of things. And as they're talking, I just let my brain sort of render. And, you know, as you get go through more projects, you'll your brain will kind of, you know, do its own thing. And I always tell my clients, you know, my best ideas are going to come when I'm backing out of your driveway <laughs> because there's something about like the pressure of being there that, that, you know, sometimes I just, you know, if it's the first time you're seeing the space and they're giving you all this information, it's a lot, yeah. especially if you're already an empath and you're, you know, you, you feel a lot of energy and all of this stuff. Um, so for me, one of the things that I do is I take all of that information in and I kind of just let it marinate. I come back, um, and I'm one of the, and this is controversial, whether you charge on your first appointment or not. Yeah, we'll get into that too. Yeah, so I do charge on my first appointment. Um, it's a 90 minute, it's $500. And I just give all the information as if I'm never gonna see them again, you know? And I think it's super valuable because I have some seen some people run with it and they contact me in a couple of months. They're like, look at what I did. And you're like, what? Oh my God. Um, so I just give out every information. If I get the feeling that they definitely want to move forward, I'll take that last part of the of the 90 minutes and I'll document the spaces that we talked about. I don't measure at that appointment, but you know, that'll be just be mine to start the onboarding process. Cool. So a lot of social media stuff for, for you. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, yeah, that's huge. And I think, um, there's, when we talk about visibility later on, like in a workshop or something, I think they would be so interested in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Suzanne, how do you get your clients at the moment? Well, I wish it was, um, social media, but I don't have any clue how to use it. And I need to hire someone to do my social media because I am terrible. I forget to take pictures. I forget. I have so many projects that I go from project to project and I love the fact that you use social media, Rachel. <laughs> so anyways, um, I get my, it's mainly me as word of mouth or my showrooms. People find me, they look me up online. I'm on house. I don't advertise per se. Been in the business a long time. And yeah. it seems like, I, like I'm already a year, a year out booked. And in Texas, we just landed here and I'm two years booked. Oh my God. So it's, it's working, but I know it could work a lot better and smarter and easier because of that, because she's right. When you go to your first appointment, I charge you and I try to give as much information as I can as well. Awesome. So I do the same thing. Awesome. All right, Dee, you're up. What do you, how do people find you? So funny enough, people find me on my web, my, my old website. I have like a really old website and people are still finding me through there. And somehow getting my phone number, I have no idea, but people will call me up and a lot of word of mouth also, because I am horrible at social media, but Rachel and I have something in common. I, I feel like I have ADHD myself because I can't, you know, I can't stick to one thing. And I do the questionnaires, I read them. Mostly Alicia reads them for me and helps me interpret them. But um, we do the questionnaires we charge our on our first visit. I also charge on my first visit when I go by myself. Yeah, so basically I find people, that's how people find me. Got it. I, you know, and um, that's really it. I've worked with some companies in the past, so a lot of times it's a lot of reaching out again 
when they have a new project going. So I'm pretty busy from month to month because I always have a different corporation calling me about something that they want to redesign. So that keeps me pretty busy. And um, I try on social media, but I'm like Susan. I forget to take pictures and I don't always document everything. And a lot of times my clients, they don't want things documented because some of them have been high profile because of where I used to work when I first started as a designer. So yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, for me too. It's, it's all word of mouth and referral for me. Um, we'll get referrals from our contractor and from past clients. I haven't really had anything on social. Um, unless, yeah, no, it's all referral. I'm just thinking back of like how that happened. Um, and for our new designers, I'm sure they're curious about like, how did you first start getting those initial clients before, you know, word of mouth or, or getting referrals? Like how did you in- first initially start? I could probably start with that. It was going out. My, my big thing too is always looking my best. No matter where I go, what I do, I make sure I'm dressed, my makeup's on. Um, I don't go to a grocery store and I don't go anywhere unless I look great. Because people notice you and then they wonder what you're doing. Who are you? What do you do? And even in when the, I've been working for so many years that even when the times were tough, and then you feel like there's nobody out there, we're not gonna make it, what's gonna happen, like 2008 and nine. Um, the, the real problem was, is I would go into like World Market even, I'm shopping at World Market, and people would come up to me and see what's in my cart and go, what do you do? And I've got, I got a huge client though. Wow. So that was, you know, just begin, you know, as you're starting out, it's really important to put your best out there because people are so attracted to that, I feel. And then always talking to people, because you know you could go to simple stores like consignment stores, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, uh, World Market, little places like that that I would never think I would find somebody. You know, when I was first starting out, they're quite impressed. You know, they really because people don't understand how to do what we do, so we undersell ourselves sometimes when we're starting out, and you feel like I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I'm not really comfortable in it. You just have to fake it till you make it. So just know that and just say, I'm going to put my best foot forward and I'm going to look great. And it's always the purse and the shoes. That's the other thing they notice, I think. Like Rachel Crawford, she always looks beautiful. That's how I met her, was up in Napa Valley. But, and I loved her clothes. I was like, I love your outfit. That is so cute. Do you remember that, Rachel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's It's like you're creative, you're this, you're that. And people really like that. Like I love Rachel Moriarty's outfit today. You know, it's just being who you are, putting your best foot forward always. And I've always told all my interns and all my designers that have worked for me, please don't come to work unless you have makeup on, your hair is done or whatever you are. You don't have to wear makeup, you know, whatever you are, just so you are naturally you and beautiful and doing what you do to make beautiful spaces. People are attracted to yeah. So it's, it's really about embracing that, that yeah. designer, right? It's like embracing that energy. So there's something totally to that. And we all know it when we look our best, we, you know, we feel good. We feel confident. There's just an aura around it. And I think that's huge. I, I, you know, I haven't even thought about that in such a long time, but yeah, you're right. It's like, like embracing that essence. Um, for sure. Suzanne, you're so right. I mean, I have had people run across 
parking lots in Trader Joe's to be like, I saw you in the cheese section and I have to, you know, where'd you get the kimono whatever? And it was actually, I'm, I'm also a, um, an introvert. So when I get, like, when that happens, I just want to like, you know, there's like a part of me that wants to get really small. And it was my husband that had to be like, Rachel, if somebody puts that much effort into coming across, like that's somebody you want to give your card to. And Amen. so, yeah. And so he, my husband was the one that had to train me to do that. Not to, not to like, you know, shrink. And so, yeah, I think that's really great advice. Awesome. Yeah. And that's true too. Even when you go out in events, like I've noticed, like I'll go to magazine parties or whatever. And when you show up like that, people do, they come and they get attracted. And then that's how, that's how I met like so many people in San Diego is just like this networking of, and, and you know, it's always, you know, putting on something that it's going to be a conversation starter, right? I'm huge. All right. Well, Laura, can I make one more comment? Oh yeah. Just to the new designers. Um, when you're walking into tile stores, you're walking into granite stores, you're walking into, um, material stores, DRC down in San Diego, wherever you live, it's so important to still look your best there because people pay more attention to you. They help you out more and they want to work with you because they think, you know, you're going to make them money too. And it just, it, it feeds itself. It's like a, it just keeps going and going and going and it never ends. And you'll see how people react to you. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's all, that's really all great advice. And yes, it does happen that way. I know that. Um, normally I look different, but I'm actually working, working today, like hands on. So, <laughs> but, uh, and I'm not looking for any clients today, but, <laughs> but, um, that does happen when you're like in home goods or something like that. People walk up to me normally. I don't know why, but they just always walking up to me. So my husband also, just like you, Rachel had to teach me the same thing. He's like, you know, get out there and talk to people. I, when I first started, I actually started out in a showroom. I worked for Bloomingdale's Furniture Gallery, which where I live is very high profile because a lot of like celebrities and actors and athletes, they shop there surprisingly, but they are looking for help and they don't know where to start. And so once they found me, then they knew where to start. They knew who to call and they knew who to refer. So that's why I had like a lot of like um, athletes and actors and things like that. I got to work with them because I started there. And then from there, I was plucked to go to another home goods store near my house called um, Fortunoff. It was a really big houseware store. And I worked there in their outdoor section. I met a lot of interior designers and I met a lot of clients because they were there to buy backyard furniture. These were million dollar homes where I live and people would bring me to their house I decorate their backyard, you know, plan out their backyards, and then they bring me inside and say, okay, can you do this? And then they call me every year and I'll do like a part, their Christmas parties, or I'll do their trimming their trees and, you know, Christmas things like that. Cause that's what I used to do mostly at the store also. So I think it's also helpful to start with those places in areas where you know that are affluent because you'll find those clients and that way you can make more money in the beginning. Also, another thing by me, we have ABC Carpet and Home. So even if you don't have to go to these places, you may want to make like a weekly trip just to go to meet the people, the vendors that work there, learn more about their product. And then you'll also meet clients that way too, because people are 
attempting to do things on their own, but when they see you and they can kind of feel that you're a designer based on how you're looking at things, they will approach you. So just being out and about in certain areas where you know people are shopping is where you'll also be able to start some conversations. In my area, we also have a group called DIFA, Design Industries Foundation Fighting AIDS. And I believe that they have them all over, but I started in the one in New York and I actually did a table for them. For them, They don't do this part anymore, but they actually invited me back to work with them to do like these summer soirees. And I got to meet more people. You know, I worked with like Whoopi Goldberg and Ralph Lauren. So it's like more people you get exposed to. And we created an event called Dine, um, Picnic by Design. So I think they brought it to, we had to make a booklet and everything. And they brought it to California, I know that much. So that was an event that I helped start. It was six of us, they, they chose us and we worked with them for many years. And we you know, would create these little summer soirees to raise money for AIDS. So find a foundation in your area that works with other, other entities just to get more exposure because, you know, they put us in interior design magazine. These are things we don't have to pay for. So you can make these connections with people when you do these different events that have to do with design. In New York, we have the Architectural Home Digest show. You know, you may want to get together with a friend to try to get a booth if you have things like that in your area because that's how you also get to meet more clients, more potential clients. So if you're starting out on your own, that's some ways I would suggest. And also, um, I wouldn't suggest starting your own business right away. You want to, you know, you want to work for other people and see how their process works. So I'd find like a really, you know, high-end designer in your area that you want to learn from because you'll learn a lot from them. I know I learned a lot from the designer I first worked with. He taught me everything. So, and he knew a lot of people. And so when he does, when he can't get a job done and he has a designer under him that he likes, he'll just pass it on to you. And he's always on open house um, on NBC. So, you know, just making these connections with other designers is extremely helpful and they will expose you to the people that you need to make your career work. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, Diana had a question. She wanted to know um, when you first started out, did you get asked about your experience and how do you how did you handle those questions? So I don't know if you noticed, but I sound young. I look young and I've looked probably to people the same age since I was like 20. <laughs> and so some people will ask me, but the way I used to carry myself when I was younger, people just were like, wow, you look so great for your age because they want me to <laughs> but as long as you have the confidence you use the language this is what a designer taught me when I worked at firm uh, Bloomingdale's furniture gallery she would tell me these buzzwords to say and she would always tell me you know keep your head high and just act like you know everything even if you don't know it just act like you know it and use words that will just like make them not ask you questions I don't think that's really the best advice, but it did help me at the beginning when I was younger. <laughs> but um, people will know your experience based on how you speak. So if you did take design classes 
and you went through a t- traditional program, like I, I think you did, Rachel, right? Um, you know, I went through an interior design program. So, you know, you got to really pay attention to the words that you learn and what your teachers are saying to you. Because when you do meet with a client, they will know if you have the experience or not, because they can tell by how confident you speak and how assertive and sure you are about yourself. You don't have to even know what you're doing and they don't care because they know if you are a designer, you have that creativity. So they're willing to work with you. It's just how confident you carry yourself and admitting you don't know something, you know, but not in a way that you can't get the answer. You know, just letting people know, like, you know what? I haven't done that yet, but, you know, I'm going to get the information for you and I'll get back with you, you know, but confidence is going to be your biggest key to not being asked those questions. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. And plus, because of where they met me. Suzanne or Rachel, do you have anything to add to that? I agree with her. (laughs) That's very good advice, Dee. Yeah, I think confidence is a big deal. And people want to know that you're going to lead that project and you're going to take care of it. Even in the beginning, I had to... I would... I'll share something very personal that I did. It was pretty funny. I would sit and watch shows. And I would watch how people responded to people and what people would say. And then I would go, okay, that's how I'm supposed to act. So then I would show up and present myself that way. And that's when I was really young, that's what I had to do because I really wasn't sure. I've raised five kids, I've homeschooled them, I've done a lot of different stuff on top of all my businesses. So it's like I was trying to figure it all out as well. And you know, you just have to you have to be you wholeheartedly, but it's also they're looking for something that they want to trust. They're they're willing to put their money into. And you just got to realize you're worth your waiting for. That's my saying. Yep. Rachel, do you have anything? Nobody's ever asked me <laughs> what my experience is, even when I got started. Um, and the hard part for me was I uh, took a left um, during the recession. I actually went into private banking. So I came out, that's why I launched, relaunched my business in 2014 as a side hustle and officially launched it in 2015. So I really had to go get over the hurdle of being a banker because I was identifying as a banker at that point and then getting my, my uh, designer vibe back on. Um, but it does, you, you, have to, you have to exude, you know, so, and so be very honest with people too. Like, uh, let them know this is going to be a really, you know, a clumsy sort of thing, you know, like let them know that if you're beginning, you know, my first client was a virtual client in Tucson. I'm in San Diego. And I was like, I can do this for you. I don't have like a process yet. It's going to be a little clumsy, but I will get, you know, I will help you through this. Um, also in construction, if you just let them know, you know, this is not going to go well. <laughs> We'll get, we will problem solve along the way, but just expect it's not going to be super smooth. Um, You know, if you just kind of set those things ahead of time, you'll be like, remember when I, you know, said this and, and then that starts building trust with them. The other thing is because of the funnel of my, of my, um, my client, um, they come through social, they, and then they, they'll hit my website and then all of my 
so they can see my my experience you know i i really do believe in show don't tell because i i'm not you know like most people it's hard to talk about yourself so i like to just show so when i connect with people i'll connect with them socially because i know that i am on social media every single day watch what i do and i don't have to tell you what i do so that's sort of how it works for me yeah and um i feel the same way i've never had anyone really question my experience but i do find it very powerful when you can come and be straight up and say i've never done this before we're going to navigate this together i have a i always share with them i have a huge support and I have a huge network that is with me and I have a team. So if I don't have that answer, I will get it to you. We will go through it. And yeah, and like you said, Rachel, I just, I've never had anyone really question that. Same thing with schooling. I've never had anyone say, well, what's your degree and how long? Cause they, what they want from you is your creativity. They want that thing that you can't learn, right? That you can't really put your finger on. They want that essence of who you are. And you're going to attract that person that just wants what you've got. So I've never really had anyone sort of question the experience part. I think the only letters people know is ASID. And they'll, I, I've had one person ask me, one man, male, um, and he asked if I was ASID. And I was like, do you even know what that is? <laughs> you know, they don't understand that some of these things are like pay to pay to play. And um, I'm self-taught and I will just let them know, you know, I'm self-taught, but everybody that supports me has to have alphabet soup behind their name. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I just let them know that I'm, you know, sort of the visionary and everyone that creates my construction documents and drawings and all of that, you know, they need at least four letters behind their name. <laughs> that more. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. So I, I think we answered your question, Diana, pretty well. Um, you all had mentioned that you charge for your first initial consultation. Do you qualify them or do you have a meeting with them prior to like on the phone or like a Zoom meeting to qualify them in order to get to that consultation? Or do you upfront when they reach out to you, say that they're interested and then you say, okay, I offer 90 minute, 60 minute consultation, it's $500 or whatever it is. And I would love for you if, you, if you're open to sharing what it is that you charge. So it's on my link in my bio and they usually hit there and then it's a kind of a work with me thing or they hit my tabs and the services are there. I am one of those designers, also controversial. I put starting prices on my website um, because I wanna know, it's because it's a mostly me uh, design studio, I don't have time to get on calls with people and, and do all of that. So I want them to self-select. And, you know, if, if if the price is just puts them off, that's fine. I'm not going to hide that because eventually, you know, I, I just, that's just works for me. Uh, I need to know we're playing in the same sandbox. Um, so when they call me or, or, you know, reach out to me through my contact form, they're asking for time on my calendar and that's, it's $500 and I just, see it as buying time on my calendar. I literally, I don't even know how this happened. This is not my process, but yesterday I, I got a notification through Venmo. I don't know how somebody found my Venmo and then was like, I sent you money. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, you sent me money. Like that's not even like my process. 
Um, so, you know, it's just so weird now. I guess that might happen. Um, but yeah, so $500 for 90 minutes. Got it. I usually charge, I mean, I almost always charge. And then I just got my biggest client in Texas because um, I thought I had, I thought I had him, a real estate agent had given me the referral. And I didn't realize the depth of their project, but I went out and met them and I ended up there for three hours. And I gave them, we're redoing a whole house. I'm building a 10,000 square foot um, guest house. And now I'm ripping apart their whole house. And then I'm putting in a pool the size of Ritz-Carlton. I mean, it's insane. And I got the job just by giving them all my greatest ideas in three hours. And then I found out they were interviewing other people. I was like, oh my gosh, did I really just do that? Cause I mean, I'm 26 into my 26 years of my career and I really just did that. And it ended up being the best thing I ever did cause I got the job and it'll be a two year project. Wow. And Suzanne, did you, um, do you charge them for that consultation? I usually do. I didn't charge those people. And that's why I got the job. That's my point. Like, uh, I think intuition is huge. Okay. You know, because I think people like to waste our time. That That's my problem. It's because Rachel has an internet presence. Um, she doesn't get her time wasted. They know who she is. They love her. They're ready to hire her. Me as a, um, you know, word of mouth, things like that. So I talk to them on the phone. I get a feel for them. And I say, I'd love to meet with you. Um, you can come to my showroom, meet with me for free and see if you like who I am and what I do. I'm not going to give you any advice, but if you want me to come out to your home and start giving you advice, this is the charge for that. Because you don't want to give away free advice, but you also want right. to be to people and make them feel like you care about them. That's my big thing. I just want people to feel loved. Yeah. I want them to know yeah. that we're in their home to love them and care. About them. And you have to use discernment. So if somebody is right. saying a 10,000 square foot home, full gut renovation, I'm not going to charge them $500. I'm going to go out and for me, I'm, I want to see also, can I work with this person? Because I know what it's going to be, I know it's going to be two years, you know, and I'll let them know, like, then they've got to kind of convince me that we're going to work together. Cause I'm like, it's like, we're taking a long road trip cross country and we're going to be in this car and do we like the same music and the same road road snacks you know I totally tell them like this I'm like you guys I don't tell them they have to sell themselves to me but they kind of do they do and I and that's also kind of something that I into it but I I do not I would not pick up you know charge somebody five hundred dollars if I think it's going to be a two-year project because I only take a couple of full service big projects got it you know a year yeah, and, and Suzanne, are you open to sharing what you would charge for a consultation for an hour to come out to your home? Um, I charge three fifty if it's only a sixty minute consultation. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I just get get my gas taken care of and get to know it. I think it's worth the risk for me. Yeah, it's not even about. The, I don't care about them. Yeah, it's more. I want to know that I want to work with you because just like Rachel said, you know, your marriages last shorter than two years of a project. So. I mean, it's a big commitment and I want to make sure I love the people I'm working with. It's really important because yeah. you're giving them everything in you. Like I've been putting in 15 hour days right now. I'm exhausted. All I do is crank. You should see my table. We have wood samples everywhere. I've got wallpaper going. I've got cabinet samples coming in from all over the world. I'm talking to people 
from everywhere trying to get this project put together. And I didn't even know this bar, this Raj Mahal was a part of it. We call it that now. <laughs> um, Dee, what about you? So it depends how they reached out to me. Um, usually a referral, I'll tell them that I'm giving them like a discount for the consultation. But I do charge to go out because I'm in New York and people, people are weird here. I don't know how to explain it, but you have to be careful. You don't really know why they're, yeah. they want you. Sometimes they are looking for free advice. So I let them know what the consultation will entail. And usually the consultation is really like, I want to know about them and what their project is going to be and if they're, what their investment is. I like to talk about money, you know, first off the bat, I always ask people, which investment? Because if people tell me, well, you know, my investment is 2,500, then I will say, you know, you might be better off if maybe we just work virtually, or I could, you could just pay for like an hour of my time and then I could give you some design ideas, but you wouldn't need a consultation at that point. Um, I don't take certain projects if it's not a certain price point because then it's just not the lesser price point, the bigger headache that I find here. I so um, I always want to know what's your investment in your timeline because sometimes people will reach out to a designer way too early. Like they're not even ready, but they think they need to start interviewing a bunch of designers, you know, for a project they want to start in like two years or when they have the money, or I think I'm gonna have the money soon kind of people. I need to know what's going on before I even come out and set an appointment because people will waste your time. And I just can't, I can't afford people to waste my time because I have so many people that I have to get to for other projects that I'm working on, so. Absolutely. And Jamie had a question. She wanted to know if the guest house is 10,000 square feet, how big is the main house? The main house is only, um, it's 7,000 square feet now. We're adding another 1,000 square feet. So it'll be 8,000 square feet when we're done. Oh. Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> what they say. <laughs> so my next question for you all is, um, when you do your fees, when you, when you present your proposal, are you charging by the hour or are you charging a flat fee or does it depend on the job that you're, you're getting? It definitely depends on the job that you're getting. Um, usually in my design, I'll charge, depending if it's just a kitchen or just a couple bathrooms in a kitchen, I'll give them a flat fee. Um, if I'm redesigning the whole home, then um, I'll give them a flat fee of maybe 10 grand. And then I will say, but from there, we can go into hourly fees after that, um, depending on how quick you are at making decisions, because people sometimes say, oh, I'm so quick. I know exactly what I want. And that is not true. They don't even know what they're doing, which is fine. That's why they've hired me and I love it. But yeah. we all have to be honest with each other. So Suzanne, when you're when you're calculating your flat fee, are you trying to guess how many hours it's gonna take and then and then add some on top of that? Or is that how you that's that how you can figure Pretty it out? Much. Okay. Because I'm fast. I mean, I've been doing it so long, I can get a feel from them. I know what they want. And I can usually spit it back out at them and get um, get it beautifully designed so that they're comfortable with it so we can move into yeah. design construction phase. And when you're doing flat fee, are you like minimizing like how many options they have to pick from? Or is it kind of like you get 
one design concept and you just and you don't really get any flexibility as far as choosing um, alternatives or how do you operate in that so, well usually um i give them some flexibility i am not i make them think they have all the flexibility but they really don't i mean i pretty much keep it very curtailed to what i'm doing so i give them three choices we come in and we say, hey, how does this look to you after I'm done doing what I'm doing? Do we have any tweaks we need to do? How are you guys feeling about that? And then I'll tweak a few things and we're usually really good. Cool. Rachel or Dee? Yeah, I I do a similar thing. I mostly charge everyone flat fee because I know about how long it's going to take me to do everything. And then I charge hourly when it comes to site visits and the project management part of the job. And I also charge hourly, like when it comes to if they need to talk to me on the phone and things like that, aside from what I've already broken out that they're going to get within the flat fee of designing their renovation. You know, if it's a kitchen, a bathroom, or like we had a kitchen, a bath, two bathrooms, a kitchen and a bedroom. So, you know, I, I could figure all that out based on the size of the house and I usually have ideas when I'm at the customer's home and I also have ideas when I'm you know sleeping and then I have to wake up and write everything down <laughs> so it doesn't really take me too long I resolve things quickly in my head so I do it that way too awesome so you kind of got like a hybrid situation going on yeah cool and then Rachel yeah I do it based on estimated hours um, but also you don't, there's, there's a weird thing because when you're starting out, you take longer because you don't know about surfaces and stuff yeah. like that. You also don't want to penalize yourself for being fast and better, you know? Yeah. So I do kind of like break things down. It looks like it's a little longer than it actually is um, to, to the client because I'm like letting them know all these steps. But, you know, some of these paint colors and surfaces, you just have like right at the, you know, right at your fingertips. So, but I do show them like it's, you know, this is what it looks like. This is what the whole process looks like. And it's, this is how many hours it's going to take. And then, you know, we'll go, if we go into overtime or, you know, re too many reselections or something like that hourly after that. Got it. Awesome. Um, so the next steps after they do their consultation with you, they say it's a go. Do you guys collect a retainer? Do you send your contract? What's the next step? I send a contract and collect a retainer. And what's your retainer? Is it 50% or, or more? Or? No, I collect it all up front. Oh, you collect your design fee? If I'm going to do a design fee, like a flat design fee, it comes up in the very beginning and then we start work. Wow. Um, because I don't want them thinking, oh, well, if I don't like it, I'm going to, it just, they got to buy into it. If I'm going to give up, it. it looks like it's at a discounted rate to them, you know, and I just want them to buy into what I'm doing. And then I say, here's all the steps. So I list all the steps in my design contract, what they're going to get, how I'm going to print out their project, what it's going to look like, phase one, phase two, phase three, before we go into the construction phase. I love that. I've been wanting to do a pay in full. Um, I, I, I do take a retainer kind of like a block of hours. Um, but I don't like sending out that bill and I've been trying to, it, it's all, everything's a mindset. You guys, it's all sales. It is so if, just hearing yeah. the way Suzanne says it. And so, you know, all of the work, the work is in the back cave. Nobody sees the work. 
Um, but the work is there, the hours are there. And so for me, I'm just trying to get that pay in full mentality. Um, but currently I do a, like a block of hours and I bill, but I hate that, that sending that bill out. I'd rather hit them up front, explain that it's gonna be painful. You know, I always joke with them too, Today, today's all about signing the contract and getting the big check checkbook out, you know? So, you know, we just kind of play, play like that, but I'd love to do that just once. And then, you know, whatever we have to deal with in the, in other phases. But uh, I love that. idea. I don't even make it sound like it's a big deal. They're like, do you want it all paid up front? I'm like, yes, I do. If you want me working for you, I mean, there's a 2000 other designers right there in San Diego. I mean, have at it. But Love for it. me, that's how I work. And that's, that's the game I play. Cause I'm not going to get, I need my money up front. It's, there's a lot I put into it. Yeah. And that's what yeah. you say. There's a lot you put into it. You're worth it. Yeah. I agree with Suzanne. I do the same thing. Mm. We're worth I, it. What's that? <laughs> we're worth it, girl. Not worth it. Yeah. You're worth it. And I learned that when I was younger to not build people because you know, I had, it was just one bad experience I had when I was younger. I had a client, it, this happens sometimes like, and I know to stay away from those people. People want me to be their friend, you know, they, they try, they like cling on to me, you know, cause I don't know why, but um, I had a situation with a homeowner and she was wanting to pay me hourly because she wanted to keep seeing me. She wanted me to keep coming by and I was like, well, I don't need to because, you know, the guys are going to come and, you know, then I'll check on them and, you know, get the report at the end of the week and stuff like that. But she just wanted me to keep coming. And I was just like, I, I can't work like this, you know, and then then she didn't want to do it anymore. And then she's like, oh, you know, maybe uh, I, I'm not ready anymore. You know, it's like a pain. And I was like, if I had collected more upfront, you know, but she ended up paying me. But it was just like, yeah, when I go through it, I just can't go through it with people. Yeah, Nicole had and a question. She wanted to know if anyone, if a client did not pay at the end uh, when you didn't collect in full. I, I never really had anyone like that either. If you have a lawyer that, um, and I would recommend paying a lawyer to do all your contracts. So that way they are bound to pay you, especially if you've done the work and you could prove that you've done the work. Because if they try to take you to court and say they don't want to pay or you try to take them to court, the contract is going to stand as long as you had a lawyer look over it and make sure that it was sound. But you shouldn't have to go that far. But if you do, there's arbitration first. And then, you know, you'd have to take further steps. But hopefully you'll never get in that situation. So don't think like that. So it won't go out there in the universe. <laughs> Suzanne, what were you about to say? Yeah, I mean, I've had in construction, I've had a couple clients not pay me. And it's always the wealthiest ones. They'll pay everything but the last $10,000 or something. And they make up the stupidest excuses. And... You know, you just walk from it. I don't even want to deal with it. I don't even have the energy. Like I'm making more money over on the other side. You know, it's it's your it's your badness. It's not mine. And I just kind of walk away from it. I've had it a couple times in my career, but for the most part, I've been paid every time. Well, does anyone have any last minute questions for any of the designers? Oh, Cap does. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Hi, this is just a quick question. Um, one for Rachel. Um, with Instagram being like just so quirky and you talk about visibility, how do you get visibility when the reach doesn't go out? Um, you know, you post and post and post, but you're not getting that outreach. 
Are you posting and posting and posting currently? Um, I mean, no, but I, um, I do about maybe once I'm trying to do it like once a day now. Okay. So first you have to stop thinking that. <laughs> so I have a belief that this is how I get clients. And because I have that belief, it, I, I post regularly. Um, and it really is a mindset thing. It doesn't matter. And I just tell, tell myself, it doesn't matter about the algorithms. I don't need all 10,000 people on my feed, you know, that are following me to, to see it. You know, I just need the right people to see it. And the right people that if they follow you or watch your stories and all of that stuff, it will come up on their feeds. Sometimes they don't ever, the people that hire me don't ever engage with me. I don't even know they're following me. But because they're clicking on it, it, it will, it will go. You don't need everybody to see it, but you do have to think that, or have the belief if this, if you're going to be a social seller, that, that, that you're going to have that, you're going to have a result of getting clients reach out to you. Thank you. Um, and, and one more question for all of you. When you first began, what do you think about doing like workshops? for free, like you know, collaborating with a small business to do like a workshop on home styling or I'm a feng shui practitioner. So like on feng shui or something like that. For me, so I did a thing where I did uh, live streams every day for a year and a half, every single day, seven days a week. There were four deaths in my in my family when that happened. I, every day I still showed up and, and gave value. Um, I would rather reach people online. I could reach more people online than I can getting 10 people in a room. So that is just me though. I'm an introvert. So I like to sit in my home where I feel like no, totally safe and talk to people that way and engage with people that way. I'm not like a super extroverted person where, where I get my energy from, you know, people, I get kind of drained from people. So I think it really depends if you get your energy from people I, I would definitely do it. Thank you. Well, I'm an introvert with ADHD and an empath as well. Um, but I actually um, just completely like get frozen when I'm online. Like I feel like, I don't know. Maybe it's more. the best. It, online's best for introverts. Really? Okay. I promise you. Thank you. And I think doing a workshop it is a good idea too, because I think you collaborate with other designers. I think designers tend to, me being a general contractor, then a designer, I'm a little different, but I think as I get to know designers, they tend to stay away from each other. They feel like they're more competitive. And I think that's a total lie. I think that the more we can hang out with each other, encourage each other, love each other, support each other. Oh my gosh, there's so much energy there. And there's so much great um, networking there that would go so far. And I think that people are so scared of doing that or so scared of sharing their ideas. And it's a shame because I'm here to help other designers, anything I can do to give you advice, help you with information. Um, there's no reason to hide anything. There's no competition. I mean, we're all different personalities. People are gonna hire you because of you and they're gonna hire me because of me. Don't look at me and say, oh, Suzanne knows all this. She does construction and design. They're never gonna want me because that's a lie. They're gonna like you because you have beautiful blonde hair or you're this person or you said it this way. 
and all of a sudden you spoke to their heart and they want to hire you. It has nothing to do with anything else. So be encouraged by that. And I think the more you can hang out with people and get to know if you're comfortable doing that and doing workshops, I've thought about doing them too. I think it's a fabulous thing. Thank you. Especially if you have a showroom and you want to get people, you know, into it. I think it's a really great idea too. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I so appreciate you guys. Like just my connections with all of you here have been huge. And Suzanne, we're going to get you on the podcast so that you can share more about your story and all of the awesome things that you're doing. Um, but yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't express how um, grateful I am for all of you with your support and just showing, you know, these young designers that we can support each other, that we're here for each other, that, you know, that you don't have an answer. I mean, look at this. We already have a support of three, you know, experienced designers that we, if we felt like we were lost, we could depend on, right? Like that's really cool. So it is cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. We'll see you again. Thank you, everyone. All of you are. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Bewitching the Home. Special thank you to all my Patreon members. Without you, this show would not be possible. Music composition by Kinseth Thibodeau. Editing by Marcy Ferry. And special assistance by Blake Ferris. If you like what you're listening to, please hit the subscribe button. And if you want to support us even more, please join me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bewitching. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Lorraine, L-A-R-R-A-I-N-E. And find out more information about the podcast on the website, bewitchingthehome.com.